MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. The volume. Hi, I'm Sloan, and I know the NBA. Today's guest needs no introduction. He's a four-time NBA champion and an all-star. He's one of the best defenders in the league, a successful podcaster, and part of the core Golden State Warriors. We are live from Chase Center with the one and only Draymond Green. Dre, I'm 16 years old and you're 33 and I'm sorry. I feel like I I try to make you feel old a lot and you're not old, but in the league of the NBA, I mean, like, you know, 33 now, 16 was a long time ago, you know? Absolutely. I I remember 16 years ago or 17 years ago would take me to see. I remember that. Okay, good. It was a long time ago. I'm about to ask you a lot of questions about that. So at 16 years old, what were you like as a basketball player? At 16 years old as a basketball player is when I first kind of started to come into my own. Um, I was kind of freshman, I mean, sophomore, junior year. And my junior year season is when I really took off my freshman year. I played freshman basketball. My sophomore year, um, I was on varsity. I started every game on varsity, but I was uh, a role player for sure. Like, I kind of had my role and I did that. My junior year, like, the team became mine. And okay. that we won our first state championship. Uh, so that was really my first experience of winning a school championship. Like I lost in sixth grade. I lost in seventh grade. I, I'm lying. I did win in eighth grade. But we didn't have, in my city, we didn't have like uh, a tournament. Okay. So you have like 12 regular season games. And the best record won the championship. So it wasn't like you actually had to go win a championship. Oh, wow. And so that was my first experience at 16 of truly winning a championship. You won like an AAU tournament, but like really winning a real championship 
that's what I was doing at 16. It's like you were manifesting your life in the future. You know what I mean? Winning Absolutely. all those chips. I like Absolutely. that. So speaking of AAU, um, mm-hmm. I know um, a lot of the guys that I've interviewed have told me really cool stories about when they were playing AAU, they were able to play against other NBA players mm-hmm. and create really special bonds with these future guys that they were going to continue to have a career with. Do you have any guys like that that you've just been friends with since you were really young? Uh, I know I have a few guys um, that I've played against since I was young. I was actually on Instagram the other day. Uh, Manny Harris, who played uh, with the Cleveland Cavaliers, he played with the Los Angeles Lakers for a short amount of time. Manny Harris uh, grew up in Detroit, Michigan. And Manny, I remember growing up, like as a young kid, like fifth and sixth grade, seventh grade, we're coming from Saginaw, a small city. We go down and we play those guys from Detroit. And like you get a totally different feel from who we play back at home, yeah. you know. And Manny was one of those players. He was absolutely incredible. And he used to destroy us when we were younger. And then we played against each other in the state championship of high school. He went to Michigan. I went to Michigan State. And so I would say if there was one guy that I remember from that I remember playing against from elementary on through college uh, and even in the NBA. Um, that guy for me and who was like motivation for me growing up because we couldn't, he played for the Cobras when we were growing up. We could not beat them. And mm-hmm. so it was always motivation for me to try to beat um, him. And so I, I th- I'd say the one guy for me was Man here. Okay. And do you think, you know, I, I know we talked a little bit about Michigan State. Like, did you come out of the womb and you were like, I'm going to go to Michigan State? <laughs> like, how did, that, how did that go down? So ironically, my aunt uh, played at Michigan State and I'm born in 1990. Old, um, mm, awkward. Okay. The fact that you think 1990 is old. Like, I mean, I, get, I was born in 2007. So just, you know? wow, I remember 2007 like it was yesterday. I graduated <laughs> high school in 08. But the fact, like, I get laughed at by people for being born in the 90s. And I'm at the very beginning of the 90s. That is true. And the fact that you think that is old is just <laughs> mind-boggling to me. But. Michigan State. My aunt went to Michigan State, I think, in like 93, 92, 90. She was there when Steve Smith was there. So maybe 91, 92, somewhere in there. Um, I would go down like, and we would go see her play. I had been to my aunt's dorm, which and full circle moment ended up being the dorm that I also lived in when wow. I got to Michigan State. But I used to be terrified of Sparty. Loved Michigan State, loved the green and white. Yeah, it is a little creepy. Terrified of Sparty. I go to these games. I was also the kid that was terrified of Chuck E. Cheese. Like, I, I, and so I would go to these games to see my aunt, and I thought that was absolutely incredible. And I would always say then, like, I'm going to go to Michigan State. I'm going to go to Michigan State. Then you start 98, 99, 2000. Uh, I am 8, 9, 10 years old. And the Flintstones... Mateen Cleese, uh, Morris Peterson, Charlie Bell, Antonio Smith, uh, Jason Richardson from Saginaw. They're playing at Michigan State. They win a national championship in 2000. And so for me, growing up as a young kid, and I remember I can always place Michigan State from when I was three, four years old. And then to see them at 10 years old winning a national championship. I thought that was everything. Flint, Flint, Michigan is 20 minutes away from Saginaw. Mm-hmm. Jason Richardson being from Saginaw to watch those guys and be like, wow, they're on it. They're they're playing in the national championship. They're beating Florida in the national championship. I want to go to that school. And me and my brother from that time was like, yeah, we're going to go to Michigan State. Yeah. Why not Michigan though? You know what's funny? Um I knew this I, was gonna get you going. And 
in the state of Michigan, you grow up, you're, you're a Michigan fan or you're a Michigan State fan. Mm-hmm. As I'd imagine in L.A., you're either UCLA or USC. Most people. Most, Maybe not yeah. you, Sloan, okay. because you, you pick your own teams yeah, like you so didn't true. pick the I'm Lakers or pick like the Warriors. But you usually pick one of those schools. And yeah. so for us, it's like, all right, Michigan, Michigan State. Michigan State's a no-brainer. Like, the colors okay. are better. Like, the school is I mean, better. You debate that. The you coach could. is better. Oh. The program Growing is better. Shots. Okay. Like, you know, like, it's, it's Tom Izzo. He's a Hall yeah. of Famer. Nobody can it's debate true. that. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, and, and, and then, like I said, it was also something that I could see, though, at a young age and say, oh, those guys are like me. Yeah. Like, they come from a similar mm-hmm. place that I, that I come from. And so, and then, I, I'm not going to lie, I like teams that win here. I mean, this is football, but like 11 and 0, you know, like uh, uh, this year, but like they were still in signs and, you know, like. OK, so you're going to. OK, so you're a, you're a believer in the stealing. I mean, it, it, it is obvious, <laughs> like clear as day. Um, and everybody's like, oh, you know, they they still signs. Everybody still signs. But you can't be that egregious. Like to, to place someone on the other sideline of another team dressed up as their coach. Wait, I, do we really want to talk about them being 11 If it and came all? out that Michigan State did the same thing, you would deny it though, right? No. I oh, mean, you Michigan, would accept it. Michigan State has gone through their fair share of things. Okay, so you're um, going to allow them. Okay, so you're just, you're fair. No, it's for sure. It's not just because it's Michigan that you believe. But, but, but I think you also have to be fair. Like you can't, you can't just kind of say, oh, they, they accepted this. We're sweeping it under the rug. Like mm-hmm. you still got to be fair Okay. Um, to people, but. No, that was, I mean, that's that's some intense sign still. <laughs> it's a little crazy, it, wow. for sure. Um, and it definitely does not give a um, good message to anyone else out there. Like, it's also a school, you know? Like, people go there. Like, if I was a Michigan student, now, like, the football team's cheating? Like, I don't know what's happening in those classes, you know? And, well, you know, this is also a school that really prides themselves on trying to make us that went to Michigan State feel like we're dumb. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's just, I think it's pretty ironic that they're so smart and they got caught like this, like, badly, like, red-handed. Real. It's a little ironic to those of us that they try to, Mm -hmm. um, they they try to make feel less than. I'll just leave it at that. Yes. I feel like you almost, what's really cool about you is that in a way, you've been an underdog for so long, and you just continuously, continuously prove people wrong, right? And I'm curious, being a second rounder, does that, do you think that that's shaped who you are now? Like, do you, do you remind yourself constantly, like, that many teams passed up on me, and yet I, I, I was this good, you know? I am this good. For a long time, for a long time, I, I will remind myself that because, to your point, I was the underdog. And, you know, what, I, what I've tried to learn throughout my journey is I was the underdog for a very long time. I'm no longer the underdog. No, you are not. And I think, I think it's very important that you can identify those stages. Because yeah. the, the, the mentality that you have to have as an underdog, if you have that same mentality and you're not the underdog, it's distasteful. Mm. And, and so for me... Um, I've always tried to, and, and like, don't get me wrong, it's, it's hard to do yeah. because you go so long with this mindset of, I just need to get it out the mud. I need to get it any way I can. And and you go so long with this mindset and then you get to a space where the world no longer view you that way. And that's when it gets interesting because when you're the underdog, 
the world is rooting for you. Mm-hmm. And they want to see you do well. Everybody loves a good underdog. Everybody loves a good Cinderella story. And so it's all fine and dandy. Yeah. The moment they no longer see you as the underdog, where now they say, oh, well, what I think of him is this. I no longer view him or her as this. There's This is where I place them at. Yeah. And that's when it starts to get interesting because... Again, those same things that you did as an underdog, now that they no longer look at you that way, it's now viewed totally different. And so I think for me, um, an interesting adjustment that I had to make, and I must be honest, um, you still, like, it's a never-ending thing. Like, you never really get to the space of, like, I'm not the underdog. I never do underdog things. Like, Uh there are still times where you do those things because it was such a part of you for so long you know and so I think um just identifying when you're no longer the underdog is as important as having the underdog mentality when you need it Mm -hmm. and what advice do you think you would give 16 year old Dre to be like in that time when I mean you said you played freshman basketball as a freshman and then you were a role player your sophomore year on varsity but what would you tell that 16 year old kid like I'm a four-time NBA champion. Like, what do you think he would think? Uh, I think, I think um, what I would tell that kid is I, I would tell him um, the things that he need to understand about the journey along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, because you go through so much on this journey. And some of the things you go through with people and yeah. some of the things you have to go through alone. And it's, um, I think it's, it's very, it's very, Interesting because what you end up realizing is so many people can't do it. Like, so many people can't walk through those things alone or walk through those things with somebody. And the one, but the but the very few, like, it's, it's a reason it's only 450 guys in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like, because the few that can go through those things, the few that can come out on the other side of that are the ones that, you see and, and they yeah. make it and you know the world knows them and you know the world can appreciate their craft I think there's one anomaly to that and that's Patrick McCall because like you can't win three championships in like your three years in the league and then just like dip and then be like I did it you know what I mean like I really went through it you know 100% but even that like I think and, he did and get I love there. Pat he did get there. like I love Pat by yeah. the way like Pat did Pat was my teammate we won two championships or one championship together we won one championship together or two. I think you won two and then you won and one with the Raptors. he won one with the Raptors. Yeah. Okay. Um, but but Patrick, um, 100% is an anomaly. And I think it's a little different feeling, right? Like you're such a basketball fan, you'll remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think- I loved for, Patrick McCall. I, I was like 10 years old and I was like, that is the most beautiful man I've ever seen as, at 10 years old. <laughs> Let him know. Yeah, it's fine. Like I think, um, <laughs> I think with, with Patrick- you then look at the way the career ultimately ends up panning out. Yeah. And I think if there were a lot of things that Patrick would change, Mm -hmm. um, I think, but there's also things that along my journey that I would change, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I just think, uh, and looking back at the 16 year old and saying what, what that has to be along the way, uh, you just have to understand the steps of the journey because it's, it's, it's brutal. There's times where you want to quit and, I think it's it's okay to feel those feelings, right? Like yeah. we go through it and as a basketball player, you're taught, or as an athlete, you're taught like, no, you just got to keep going, keep going, like get through it, keep mm-hmm. going. 
And it, that builds you out to be a certain type of way. But I think in going through it, you have to understand that, like, try not to ride the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Because it's, and by the way, it's still a roller coaster. Like, I'm 33 years old. I'm playing at the highest level you can play at. And it's still a roller coaster, you know. But yeah. as you get older, as you've been in it, you learn, like, man, I can't ride this roller coaster. Like, sometimes you, you experience the highest of highs. Mm-hmm. And you experience the lowest of lows. And to ride that wave the entire yeah. time, it's impossible. Yeah, it's a mental game, too. 100%. So that's what I would just tell the 16-year-old me is, like, Okay, great. There's four championships. There's these things in college. There's these things in high school and the college. Don't ride the wave. Mm. Don't, like, just do not ride the wave. Yeah. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, so now I want to move on because I've been so lucky. Um, one of the privileges of my life has been to get to know you. And I think what I think is so special about you is the way that even though to so many, you are probably such a god, right? So untouchable. We feel like we know you, right? Like you you make your opinion known. You make who you are known to everyone, which I think is so special, especially as a kid, because, you know, I'm not going to name names, but there's people out there where I admire them, but I don't know them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And with you, I think that people really understand who you are. People know your opinion, which is so cool. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you really got it. You have to use your voice. Mm-hmm. And so... I know you, I think the world knows you, but I want to get to know, slow nose, Dre a little better. All right, what was the most memorable play of your career? 
The most memorable play of my career, I would have to say, is um, as memorable as it is, I can't recall the exact year. It's either 2017 or 18. We were playing against the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Okay. And Damian Lillard gets the ball on the wing after we turn the ball over. Uh, Clay turned the ball over. And Damian Lillard gets the, run, tracks the ball down. He gets the ball on the wing. If you know Damian Lillard, like, you better get out there. He's shooting it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I run out there, and I take this shot away. And then Noah Vonley is coming running down the court. He hits Noah Vonley, and I circle back around to the rim, and I just go vertical. And when I, when I realized it, I'm like, oh, man, I'm dunked on. Because I, I circle. <laughs> I'm right under the rim. This dude got a full – he has a full head start coming downhill at me, and, I'm, and I got to jump straight up and go vertical. And I just jumped and went vertical, and I got the block. That, to me, I would say was the most memorable play. Like, I, I had a great series, that series. But that play, like, I felt like I locked their whole offense down myself. Mm-hmm. And that play was like a microcosm. That is what I always say. My dad and I talk about this all the time where sometimes you'll, I'll watch your highlights and people don't understand that you stop the whole team by yourself. <laughs> like, that's a really hard thing to understand because you're like, oh, you're like, oh, no, you know, they just threw the ball out of bounds. And you're like, no, 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 no. Draymond 100% forced that. Mm -hmm. Whether it was mental, whether it was physical, like if you really watch those highlights, every single time something happens, like I swear, your name, your fingerprint was on there. It is true. And I also think that that is the same with Gary Payton II. Big shout out. That's my guy. I love him so much. (laughs) And I just noticed this. I mean, every time... The other team messes up. I'm like, it was either Gary or Dre. It no, must have been. I, I definitely appreciate it. And, and the reality is, it's like, in order to do what we do on the defensive end, I always say people people don't um, value or approach the defensive end the same way that they do the offensive. In the same way you have to have spacing on, on offense, you have to have one defense. Yeah. Like, And there are so many little nuances to where if one guy isn't on the same page, it all falls down, mm-hmm. you know? And so I do understand the importance of, like, having everybody on the same page and trying to lead that. Um, but as, as far as defense goes, like, again, just like offense, there's things that you want to get to as a defender. Mm-hmm. There's things that you want to get to when you understand what they're trying to get to. And I think for me, it's just always trying to be a step ahead of the play, knowing, like, oh, man, they want to get there. Well, if I can get to that spot before they get there – it it throws off the entire timing of their play, mm-hmm. and that's and that's what I try to do and 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 focus on and um, I try to cause the same havoc for opposing offenses as great offensive players cause for opposing mm-hmm. defenses. For sure, and on the topic of defense, as obviously a defensive player of the year, can you give me two defenders currently in the NBA that are just extremely underrated? Well, a Sloan knows alum, and I, I feel like everyone always Sloan say. Knows alum. I feel like everyone always say this guy is underrated, and I think the reason everyone always says he's underrated is like because he doesn't have a defensive player of the year. He hasn't been on as many all defensive teams for as good of a defender as he is, and it's Drew Holiday. Of course, um, Drew Holiday is like I was watching the game the other day. Al Horford went out. Porzingis was out, like, not playing that night. Al Horford goes out the game. And, like, Boston's matchup, like, you can tell in their shoot-around and their game that the matchup is now Drew Holiday and Joel Embiid. And, yeah, they're throwing a double team. But if you know anything about defense, 
Drew has to keep Embiid in a position for the double team to be able to get there. Yeah. Drew is outsized by a Joel Embiid by at least 100 pounds. At least. Oh, yeah. At least six inches, probably more. And, and he's just holding his own. Drew and, and Joel is like me and Drew. And, and, like, absolutely. <laughs> Facts. And by, by the way, one of the, like, Joel is an incredible player, like MVP. One of the most impressive things about that is Joel's a dog. Joel will embarrass you if he can. He will go right at you. And it, it wasn't like he saw Drew and it was like, I smell blood. Mm. And I think that is one of the most incredible things. Like when it's, it's no better feeling as a defender when you're like, say I'm running up and my guy's going to set a screen and the guard's like, nah, man, you get out of here. Bring that guy up. And, it, and as a defender, you just feel accomplished because it's like, oh, he don't even want to face me right now. And so I think Drew is one. And the second one is um, an underrated defender. I think the second one is Anthony Davis. Really? Okay. Anthony Actually, Davis, also, for, sure. for the real ones out there, also a Sloan Nose alum to like a certain extent. I did like a cute little interview with mm -hmm. him, but it was like, a minute, but with the help of Dre, I know AD will be sitting in that chair one day. <laughs> Absolutely, but AD, AD is, uh, AD is, AD can switch onto a guard and keep a guard in front of him if he needs to. Uh, he can play in the drop, and he's one of the most devastating players playing in a guard mm -hmm. and pick and roll in the drop. Yeah. Um, he's a versatile defender. Like you can put AD in help side, and you put him in help side, and he'll cover the whole yeah. weak side up. You put him in the action, he can guard the action, no problem. And so, uh, very, my, my second one would be yeah. Anthony Davis. Crazy that they were teammates, you know? Like, that New Orleans team was special. We beat them. Well, I mean, you're more special. Yeah, we beat but. them. It's okay. So, <laughs> one clip of mine that went viral on TikTok was, I was talking to Drew, and I asked him, I said, you know, I also agree that I think Drew's a very underrated defender. And I said... As such a talented defender yourself, who's someone that you've guarded that... that probably the outside world doesn't realize how difficult it is to guard mm -hmm. them. And he said, Bobby Portis. And all these people were like, why didn't you say Steph Curry? And we were like, the question is underrated. Like people need to listen to the context. And I think like you were saying earlier, like there's 430 guys plus in the NBA. Like, I mean, every kid has played basketball at one mm -hmm. point in their life and 430 around that number guys make it to the league. These guys are special. Even if they're not Steph Curry, they, they could drop 60 on anyone's head that's not in the league, you know? And, like, who, who's a guy like that to you that you're like, people don't understand, but he's good? Every guy in the NBA. Okay, uh, every guy in the NBA. <laughs> no, Great honestly, answer. though, uh, I always tell, like, you know, people will see guys in the NBA, and they're like, oh, man, that guy suck. And to your point, it's like, that guy that you think suck will destroy you so badly. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to, like, you just, there's a certain level of player that you have to be to play in the NBA. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, I know you probably saw on like PG's podcast uh, where PG and Demar was talking about guys in the NBA that suck. Now that's to an NBA level. Like there are some guys in the NBA that you don't quite feel should be here, but that doesn't mean Joe Blow can just beat them at basketball. Mm -hmm. Like no, they'll, they'll destroy Joe Blow. However, there's I always say that there's guys like everyone has a guy or two in the league where. When you play that guy, he causes you fits like nobody's tomorrow. But it's the guy that no one would expect. Mm -hmm. Like no Who one is that would for guess. You? 
I have a couple people, and it just shows you how good they actually are. Mm-hmm. One was Taj Gibson for me. Okay. Uh, Taj Gibson, I played against Taj Gibson as a freshman in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played against him and DeMar DeRozan. They were at USC. Um, Ron Lewis, uh, they had another, Daniel Hackett. Um, we played them in the second round, I think, or first or second round of the NCAA tournament in Minneapolis. And Goran Sutan got in foul trouble. Um, another one of our big men got in foul trouble. And so I had to go in the game and guard Taj Gibson. Now, if you remember anything about Taj Gibson at USC, he was a problem. And Taj, I'm guarding Taj Gibson, and I go in and I do an incredible job. Our, our, all our upperclassmen is, is in foul trouble. And I, I cause fits for Taj Gibson. And that was the end of Taj Gibson's career because he then goes on and goes to the NBA. I stay, I finish out my uh, next three years of college. He goes on to the NBA. When I get to the NBA, I now have to guard Taj Gibson. At this time, Taj Gibson's in Chicago. And I remember vividly my second year. Um, Jermaine O'Neal, one of my OGs, uh, on the team. And we're playing Chicago. And I'm trying to guard Taj Gibson. And he hit me with an up and under. Boom. Up, step through. Bucket. Shimmy shake. Bucket. And I, the game goes on. And now, the only way I could get on the court my first year and a half was to stop somebody. And I am like, I cannot get a stop on this dude. So I tell Jermaine O'Neal, it is one of the very few times in my career, really the only one that I can really point to where I ask the guy, yo, I need you to switch with me. Like, I'm, I'm going to take your matchup. You got to go, guy. I cannot stop this guy. One of them was Taj Gibson. And then the other guy that no one would ever guess, um, incredible player, that give me fits. I actually have the honor of being a teammate with him now. Um, Is it a slow nose alum? No. Oh, okay. But maybe he will be one okay, day. Okay, okay. Dario Sarge. Wow, Okay. Dario, he is a silent killer. He would give me fits no matter if he was in Philly, Minnesota, um, Phoenix, OKC. Dario Sarge, every time I played against him, would give me a fit. And it's like if you just go and you tell someone like, they're like, yo, who's the guy in the league like, like that you struggle with the guard? No one would ever guess that I'd mm-hmm. be like, Todd Gibson and Dario Sarge. And that just goes to show you how good guys mm-hmm. are in the NBA. Did you tell Dario that? I have not, but he'll figure it out yeah. now. But then like, you know. The, That's this, probably a real, like I, I guarantee you that, that shoots up his self-esteem a little bit. <laughs> Dario's my guy. I love Dario. He's an incredible teammate to have. Um, but I don't like, sharing my weaknesses with people yeah well i'm really glad see this is the thing like i get to bring this out of you you know what i mean it's good to talk about your emotions i think so Mm -hmm. absolutely okay so draymond when i first met you you talked to me a lot about positivity and how the idea of what i do that differentiates me from other people and you as well is the idea of speaking positively because a lot of what the nba media is is it's asking people oh um you know Who's a player in the league that annoys you, right? And like, what's the purpose of that question, right? Like, yes, you can probably get a, a lot of likes on that, but mm-hmm. it's not, I mean, at the end of the day, who has that helped? You know, yeah. that, that hasn't improved anyone's life, really. Absolutely. And so I decided that I wanted to, you know, create a segment where instead of that, I basically asked those questions 
in just a way nicer way, okay? Mm -hmm. And instead of the player in the league who annoys you the most, who is your favorite player? You know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I want to I wanna talk about that a little bit with you. Um, and I want to start off talking about Clay and Steph, mm -hmm. the Splash Bros. I mean, you guys have been through thick and thin together. And the world knows how incredible they are. Mm -hmm. But is there something specific that we don't see behind the scenes that makes both of them so uniquely special? I think, I think something that people don't get to see uh, with Steph and Clay is how competitive they are. Mm. Um, you know, you don't win at the rate that we've won with guys that aren't competitive. Yeah. And, you know, because they shoot the ball the way they shoot the ball, they, because they play with the flash that they play with, I've seen so many teams and guys make the mistake of thinking, oh, I'll just bully him. I'll just get physical with him and like it'll be no problem. And they run up <laughs> against those guys and they quickly realize like, ah, what that approach doesn't necessarily work. Mm -hmm. um, to me, the, the most like two of the greatest shooters ever that we've ever seen, in my book, the two greatest shooters we've ever seen, um, their number one attribute, their number one skill is not their shooting. Their number mm -hmm. one skill is their competitive nature. Wow. And that's something that doesn't get any credit. Um, mm -hmm. No one ever says, but Clay Thompson is one of the fiercest competitors I've ever seen. Wow. No, one's, no one ever says, yeah. Steph Curry is one of the most competitive guys I've ever seen. Did you see him in this moment? Did you see how he stood up mm -hmm. in that moment? No one ever talks about that because the shot's so beautiful. Yeah. But that's the reason behind the four championships is mm -hmm. not the shot. Yeah. I love that. And um, now that we're moving on from Steph and Clay, you know, they were people that people understand why they're amazing. But can you tell us something incredible about a young warrior that you've been able to play with in the past few years? Maybe instead of sharing something new like you shared with Steph and Clay, something maybe that we just haven't been able to see yet, but that we will see about a young guy in the Warriors? Um, wow, that's interesting because I think uh, we've had uh, quite a few young guys over the last few years. Um, but I can speak about the ones that, uh, that we currently have. Mm -hmm. um, I think when I look at the Warriors, uh, the Warriors are in good hands. When you look at young guys like BP, um, Brandon Pojemski, um, Trace Jackson Davis, like those are guys that is coming to the NBA right now and they're ready to play right now. Yeah. And <clears throat> that's how we were coming mm -hmm. into the NBA. Like when we came in, we were ready to play. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, you need two years, you need three years to try to figure. Like, yeah, you still had to figure things out mm -hmm. for sure for the next two, three years. But – you can put us in the game right away and we'd be just fine. Yeah. And, th and those are the rookies that we have right now. And I think they are incredible. The energy that they bring to the team, absolutely amazing. And I think, like, like BP, that kid is like a gamer. Like, yeah. you just put him in the game, he figured it out. And by the way, we realized that playing this summer and like we're playing pickup and we're getting together for like, we got together for a little team mini camp and you're like, yo, no, this dude is like, he's going to play. Mm. And so I, I can appreciate those guys. And I don't think the world has gotten a chance to really see um, how good those young guys are um, and what they will be for this organization. Mm -hmm. You got uh, young guys like Jonathan uh, Kaminga and Moses Moody. Kaminga um, has no clue how good he is. Yeah. And, I think that's so incredible. 
because he believes he's good. It's like a weird thing. He doesn't have a clue of how good he is, but he actually, he, he's, he's a confident kid. Mm-hmm. So he believes he he's good. He doesn't have the right level of confidence. It's not even that he doesn't have the right level of confidence because he is as confident as they come. Okay. But he doesn't know how good he is yet because he's still figuring it out, right? Like he's mm-hmm. still figuring out, oh man, I got this smaller guy on me. I don't need to speed up and go faster with him. I yeah. need to slow down and just get him to the spot I want to get to. Now I can just raise up over and make the game mm-hmm. simple, you know, more easy for myself. And so when I say Kaminga doesn't, like, he has the confidence, but he doesn't know how good he is, it's just because he he hasn't even really tapped into yet all of the things that he's capable of tapping into that, for someone who's been in this for 12 years, I see, oh, he's going to get to this and he'll figure that out. The game will slow down for him in this area. And he'll do that. And absolutely special. Moses, the most professional guy I've ever been around uh, next to Kevon Looney. Um, when you're talking about a young guy who coming in and just gets it, gets how to work, gets how to, how to carry themselves. Uh, Moses is one of those special people that, like, you look back in an organization 13 years from now, you're like, man. He's, he's just been there the entire time, and that's because they want to have him around. Like, they, mm. like he's great for your team. He and, and then, obviously, none of that matters if you can't play. He continues to grow as a player, uh, shooting, competing, one of the best uh, wing offensive rebounders in the NBA. Mm-hmm. With as much knowledge and experience that you have in this league, do you feel a responsibility to take a guy like – Jonathan Kaminga under your wing and you're like, I just know he can be that much better. Do you feel that responsibility where you're like, I want to let him know this. I want to help him become that good. 100%. Um, that's something that I, a road that I try to really take on is yeah. mentoring young guys. I'll never forget uh, my rookie year. Uh, one of our assistant coaches, his name was Pete Myers. Uh, Pete told me two things that will always, I would always keep with me forever. Um, he said, number one, Draymond, you get paid. If you're ever fortunate enough to get paid in this league, you get paid for the next young guy to get paid. So oftentimes you see like guys like, oh man, that guy got this. I need to do that. Or like, and it's like, no, actually, like if you think about the lifespan of the league, when one gets paid, mm-hmm. it only makes it better for the next person. Yeah. You know, and so he told me that. And then he also would say to me, Draymond, you owe it to the game to lead a game in a better place than it was when you found it. Mm-hmm. And what that meant to me, the only way to do that is to give the game back to the younger guys mm-hmm. so that they can then take that to another level and give it to the next young guy. And that's how we keep this thing going. That's how we keep it growing. That's how we continue to feed our families um, better than any of us could ever imagine we would be able to do playing the game of basketball. And so I think... Um, those are a couple principles that I stand by. And what's a absolute byproduct of that is mentoring young guys. Yeah. Because I think it's important to lead a game in a better space than it was when I got. For sure. And speaking of that mentorship process, what I've loved to see and what's been so fun for me is to follow accounts like SportsCenter Next, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And to see the mini LeBrons, right? And the mini Carlos Boozers and the mini Gilbert Arenases and all these guys where their sons are, you know, mini Carmelo Anthony's and like their sons are continuing to like build on their legacy. And obviously everyone knows you have a son. He's so adorable. But um, do you also, I know, like you said, you feel a responsibility to guide the guys in the league, but 
have you ever found yourself talking to some players' sons about what they can do to really make it to the next level? I wouldn't necessarily say talking to, to other guys' sons about making it to the next level. Because they have that. Because they have, yeah. you know, okay. they have that. I think one thing that I do get a lot of pleasure out of is just talking to kids in general mm -hmm. about making it to the next level. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a phenomenon in the NBA of seeing um, NBA players' children coming to the NBA and having success. But when, 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 I, when I look at that phenomenon, that's largely driven by the success of Stephen Clay. Yeah. Because you see these, these guys at a young age um, with fathers, uh, their, their sons of NBA players, and you actually see them become superstars. Yeah. See, th those are one of the few um, that, you know, you've seen guys come into the NBA. The Warriors are a team literally right. full of... Trace Jackson Davis's dad played in the league. Andrew Wiggins, obviously, Stephen Clay. Is there... GP. Oh, of course. Whose dad is champion and the superstar mm -hmm. as well. But I think like that, like, that's largely driven by the success of Stephen Clay because yeah. it's like, oh, these guys' dads were in the NBA. And you see the growth and, and like, the, the progress of those guys. And yeah. so I think, um, you know, they don't get enough credit for that. Uh, but that's that's a check mark on your list, as is an all-star appearance. Yeah. Like, because it's changing the NBA. And now we're starting to see more and more kids coming yeah. to the NBA. And, like, for me, like you mentioned, DJ, like, I would love to see DJ play in the NBA. I think that's dope. But I'm not I'm not the parent who's going to push him like, yo, I want you to play basketball. I yeah. think you should. Like, if he wants to play basketball, I'm all and in. Right? And I'm all in on helping you. I'm all in helping guide you. But I don't want, I, I never want my son to think, man, my dad played basketball. I got to play basketball. Yeah. I, I, I don't like that. I like that. I like that view. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast. To start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. 
and I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. As we know, like the name of the show is Sloan Knows, right? Mm-hmm. So Sloan knows your game. And I do, Dre. I, you don't understand. Like every day after school, whatever, I'm always reading random stats. Like I follow every single weird basketball account to find like the most random facts about everyone. When I watch Warriors games, I lay out jerseys, you know, to manifest. Like I'm all in. So I do know your game, but what I want to know is, do you? So I'm going to ask you some trivia okay. about yourself, okay. and I'd like, I'd like to know what you have to say about it. Um, I know that uh, I just interviewed DeAndre Jordan, mm-hmm. and he actually beat Chris Paul in this game and texted him about it, and I think like it got a little chippy. Like Everyone was very like, so this is a thing. Like People are very interested in this, so okay. I just want to let you know that to like bring out the competitive side in you. Wait, time out. Okay, time what, out. What's, Never mind. What, what's the score? Because like, I need to understand oh, what how is I the can score? win. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is a prime example of Draymond's competitiveness. Okay. So there is... Okay. Let's see how many questions there are. There's six, seven. Okay. There's okay. seven questions. And I am the grader. So like, it makes me really annoyed, right? When like a teacher is like, oh, like you got half credit on this math question, but not the other one. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why? Did it really matter like where I put the multiplication sign, right? So <laughs> I'm grading it. Okay. And I like you. So I may give you half credit. I may not. Let's see. Oh, wow. So you'll get okay, full okay. credit. But then also, like, some of them are really hard or your answers could be close. And I'll, I'll consider. But you can't bribe me. Okay. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm, like, tough. Like, you okay. can't get through this. So, okay. like, I don't, I don't care what you have to say. It's going to be rough. And... One last question. What was DeAndre's score and what was Chris Paul's score? I think DeAndre got, like... Like something like I don't know the exact, but like I need to start like actually like keeping count of this. But it was like really bad. Okay. Like it was like oh, two no and like three and a half. Like it was not Im- it was uh, not impressive. Oh, piece of well, cake. You, uh, mm, uh, is it really okay? Uh, let's piece see. Of cake. Draymond, what was your high school GPA? My high school GPA. I finished high school with a three point two GPA. Three point four. Okay, already one question wrong, but I'll, I'll consider my scoring on that. Three point four. Tough. Wow, I did finish with a three point four. Are you proud of yourself knowing that? That's better than you thought. It is. It's actually better than I thought, but it's good because I bombed my my fresh my <laughs> second semester freshman year. You just I bombed. Quit. Oh, I yeah. had to go to like summer school to correct a couple mm-hmm. grades. So it is good to know that I got it back to a three point four. Okay, I'll, I'll consider the scoring in my head if I'm going to give you <laughs> some half credit on that. Next, out of the sixty members of the 2012 NBA draft, how many played in the NBA? And then for a bonus point, how many of them were all stars? Wow. Yeah, this is not easy. I'm a very, this is a tough test. How many actually played in the NBA? Yes, out of 60. This is interesting because I can't recall if Royce White ever played a regular season game. That's the thing, right? It's not counting preseason. It's counting an actual game. All right, so one... One through 30 all played, except I'm not certain if Royce White, Royce White actually played a regular season game. So I'm going to put an asterisk by him. But one okay. through 30, um, one through 30 definitely played. 31, 32, 33, 34, 
35, yours truly, 36, 37, 38. <laughs> I did not think you were going to go like this, but okay. 40, 41, it's Tyshawn Taylor. What? 42. Wait, you can name every single person? I can still name one for sure. That is crazy. But, um... We had quite a few guys from our draft actually play. So how many actually? It's a high number. I'll I give think you that. it's like fifty-eight out of the sixty guys. Actually. Fifty-six. Fifty-six. Okay. That was insane, though. Okay. That okay? You get you get half credit for that. Like, uh, see, when the teacher wants you to show work, that's exactly what you did. You asked. Right, I love it. Are you going for the um, bonus question of how many of them were all stars? How many of them were all stars? Let's see. Uh, number one pick was an all-star, Anthony Davis, Brad Bill, um, myself, Andre Drummond. Mm-hmm. That's four, Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that you're missing you spoke about earlier in this episode. Um, let me think. That's the top. Is You're running out of time. Oh, it's the time limit. No, oh. that is a hint. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Dollar. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That was okay. You got so yeah. you've revived yourself from that one. You got you got the bonus point. You were drafted 35th. Who was drafted 34th and who was drafted 36th? 30 36. Wait, 34. Um Let's see. So it was 31 was Jeff Taylor. 32 was Tomas Sadoronski. Uh 33 and 34 is the same team, but it's Jay Crowder or Bernard. Yes, Jay Crowder, uh, correct. Jay, like, but they were 33 and 34. I always flip them too because it's the same team, but it's like the same pick. But yes, and Jay then Crowder. 36 is um Wow, I'm a bomb this, but I think it's Quincy AC. No, it is. Or- oh, Wait, do you, okay, do you want one more guess? I, I, I do can- want one okay. more guess. His name is the name of a city. His name is the name of a city, and it's not Quincy AC. Like a city where an NBA team plays. A city that where an NBA team. There's and recently had NBA- a first pick. Like, last year, had the first pick in the draft. That team. Ah, Orlando Johnson. Correct. I helped you out so much on you that. that is, I am not giving you any points. Orlando Johnson. I think it's still impressive that I can land on Orlando Johnson. It is. Johnson. It is still impressive. It is still impressive. I played with Orlando Johnson at USA, though, so that's kind of... Orlando, I this is sort of awkward. That. Draymond didn't I remember. Yeah, I should have oh, known that. Awkward. That's sad. On February 10th, 2017, you had 10 steals in a game. Those 10 steals set a Warriors record for most steals in a game since 1974. Who had that record previously? I don't know the answer. I'm going to guess Monte Ellis. Rick Barry. Oh, the record. The previous. Yeah. Ah. All right. I misinterpreted no the question. Worries, no I was worries. thinking like who's since like Rick Barry yeah. is 74. Well, I mean, you do have to read the instructions I, better. So. I didn't get to read though. I just listened. Well, you have to But coaches do tell listening. us you got to listen, yeah. learn to listen, listen to learn. I messed that up. You were listed as 6'6 
today on like Google or whatever. What was your listed height in your final year at Michigan State? Six seven. So did you shrink? Like what happened there? They start hating on me. Oh. I mean, when you said I'm getting old. They say you shrink when you get old, right? Mm, yeah. There it is. I hope that that does not happen to me, considering I'm five four. So if I shrink, I'd basically become like really that would be really bad well the problem is like some someone in the nba a few years ago like took it up on themselves like we want to put everyone's real height and like mm -hmm. who tells their real height like, yeah everyone's lying obviously like, no one tells their no, real height not. so yeah you know what i'm six feet genius. i'm just gonna say that i'm six feet it's fine and whatever it's, no one knows i mean that's a stretch like you get a couple inches give yeah. or take like actually i'm six six like six seven is a stretch but six okay, seven sure. is cool exactly like, six eight is a stretch yeah. Six, seven, I can get away with. Uh -uh. Draymond, you have two more questions. And I'm going to put it upon us because I feel like we're both bad at this. We got to go fast. Okay. Okay, really fast. Okay, Draymond, what is the total number of technical fouls you have been assessed in your career? That's impossible to know. Um, <clears throat> teacher, can I, give, can I give you a ball? Like, for, that's, that's a lot of Yes, text. student, you can give, give me a ballpark. I give you a ballpark, ballpark figure? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's see. I'm in year 12 now, so that would be 11 years worth of text. I would say um, 16 last year. I would say I definitely, <laughs> 92. That is very generous. Um, so it's actually 163. That is And insane. it was 163 two weeks ago. That's, that's ridiculous. So it may There's be no 165. I got 163 texts. Wow. Is your goal 200? I'll blow through that okay. if I'm already at 163. <laughs> I mean, you figure I got four years, three years left on this contract. You can average me out at about. <laughs> <laughs> I, won't, I won't get to 200. Okay, for me. I will not get this to 200. This is the new media. Kindness. I will not. You heard it here okay, first. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Nose. So that gives me about 30 <laughs> like 40 One text yeah, to work left with. in your career. Ah. Ah. He'll think about it. Ah. All right. Okay. Ah, that's tough. Okay. 31 Dre, texts to work with. You are my favorite green. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. That. But how many players in the NBA currently have the name green? And can you name them? Considering we're on a little bit of a time crunch, I'm going to tell you currently it is five total. Can you name those five greens? Um, Meaning yourself and four others. Myself, Danny Green. Is not currently on an NBA roster. He, he was a week ago. He was a week ago. He is not currently. Now, I am very up to date oh, with my statistics, tough, as you can see. Tough. Yeah, I, I told you. This is not going to be easy. Um, Jermichael Green isn't anymore. Nope. Uh, Jalen Green. Correct. Josh Green uh, from Dallas. Correct. Um, so that's what? That's three. Me, Jalen Green, Josh Green. Mm -hmm. You're um, left with a player on Jalen Green's team and then a player who was just drafted out of Northern Iowa. Jeff Green. And yes, Jeff Green. There's someone just drafted out of Northern Iowa. There's no You just totally ripped that from me. You sounded so smart when you said that. You were like, he was drafted out of Northern Iowa. Like you knew that. <laughs> okay. I said that one minute ago, but. No, I'm, I don't know who that is. Drafted out of Northern. Yes, to the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, that's the shooter. Okay, but that uh, doesn't give us his name. 
I don't really know. Is it Joe Green, maybe? No? No. Okay, I'll give you a hint. It's like two letters. But it's like a, like a, I don't know what the word is. When is it's it like, like two letters. J.R. Green? or Close. Uh, I'm just going to give it to you. A.J. Green. A.J. All right. That, that's, that's fair. Draymond, remember when you said before this that you were going to like beat everyone? I don't think you got one question completely right. But I got all of them partially credit. But you got all of them right. partially credit. Okay, congratulations. I will consider the scoring and I will let everyone know at a later time. But thank you very much, Draymond, for coming Appreciate on. Appreciate it. These are tough questions, by the way. They are. Rapid fires are usually easy. No, <laughs> not on slow nose. It is not easy on slow nose. Jesus. Thanks for listening to this episode of Slow Nose with Draymond Green. You can get links to my socials and see some fun behind-the-scenes action from Chase Center in the show notes or just search Sloan Knows on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Remember, that's Sloan with an E. From Jam Street Media. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.